I am Lena Chohan, the founder of Rise IQ. We are a medical concierge company helping employees with their health journey and creating strategies to build an inclusive workplace. Today's podcast is focusing on what employees can and are doing to integrate a mental health initiative into its workplace and the challenges that these can also bring. My own background in finance afforded me an experience of a lifetime. Being part of an alpha male dominated world for over two decades, mental health meant working 14 hour days, always needing to be on top of your game, eating processed junk and drinking copious amounts of alcohol, and then sleeping for maybe five hours before the repeat button was hit. That was just a recipe for disaster. However, I did have a fantastic time and a successful career during this process, but it left me damaged physically and mentally. It also got me thinking on how my performance and health could have been different had I received any type of emotional support within the workplace. I can only attribute my sanity to some wonderful therapists, but by then a fair amount of damage had already occurred. Thank goodness there has been a great deal of societal change promoting inclusion, awareness, more women in the workforce of all ages, and a health-conscious generation of graduates and employees from millennials to Generation X, that have forced open many doors to create a shift of attitudes and roles. This has also created much more awareness about the things that have been going wrong. One in five British employees will be affected by a mental health problem this year, whether it's due to anxiety, depression or stress that they simply cannot manage. To put it into context, almost 20% of our workforce have symptoms of an existing mental health condition. It is the leading cause of work-related ill health and 23 days on average per employee are lost per year. Productivity nosedives and the cost of poor mental health to the economy is between 80 to $90 billion a year. So what's being done about this? Traditionally, systems have been in place within HR for staff surveys and appraisals, which are supposed to take stock of the whole areas within an organisation. However, this never does give the picture in its entirety. Staff mental health and well-being is not fully integrated into the monitoring process and there may be a lack of understanding about what factors affect staff mental health. This is what I wish to discuss with Zoe Sinclair. Zoe is the owner of Employees Matter and co-founder of This Can Happen, an award-winning mental health conference. Employees Matter specialise in providing seminars and initiatives for employee networks. They are dedicated to delivering information from experts to assist employees in better managing the demands on both their personal and professional lives. This Can Happen is a huge, innovative and solutions-led conference for companies who recognise that staff need support to deal with mental health issues. This Can Happen returns on the 25th of November 2019 attracting over a 1,000 delegates from 150 companies to share, learn and discuss the solutions for dealing with workplace mental health. Welcome to the podcast, Zoe. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. The Government Independent Review, Thriving at Work, includes core standards of how organisations can better support employees' mental health. Unless it's demonstrated from top down, it is difficult for any organisation to put an effective strategy into place. What's your view on this, Zoe? Yes, 
I do believe this to a certain extent, and I do think that senior leadership demonstrating their positive approach to mental well-being is crucial. However, I think it's not just their responsibility. I think it's personal responsibility of everyone in any organization because I do think that it's hard for people lower down the chain to sometimes to identify with senior leaders. And I think they're not wrong in thinking, okay, well, they've got to senior leader positions that they have the the confidence and they're at, at the stage in their careers when they can be open and honest because what's going to happen to their career? You know, are they really going to sack a CEO or a really senior leader? They've got there already. Uh, they don't need to worry about the rest of their careers. And I think it, it's the people lower down in the company who are probably more afraid of talking about it. And so I would really recommend that it's about company responsibility, not just senior leadership responsibility. And we have seen such effective, amazing younger people in an organization who are really trying to, you know, fly the flag for good mental well-being. And those people will become the future leaders. But I, in my mind, I think it's equally important, if not more important, that actually people lower down in the organization are vocal as well. Yeah. But how, I mean, when you say lower down, do you mean, you know, could you give an example of who's actually responsible for getting this implementation into gear? Like, what are the right people to be doing this? Because that's a question I get asked a lot when I'm uh, conducting mental health wellness days. Um, It's always, Mm -hmm. well, who's actually responsible? I can't go to HR. I can't go to um, senior management. Who's the go-to person who can help me actually bring this to life to incorporate within company policy? Yeah, and I think that's a very good question. And again, every single company is different. And, you know, for some companies, it will be HR. You know, you just said somebody would say to you, it's not HR, who do I go to? And I think that is, there isn't a specific person. But in this time where companies are training to have mental health champions, there seems to be so much visibility. But when I talk about younger people, you know, I have heard just individual people who want to make an impact, who perhaps want to tell their story, feel that they're not getting any support, have just literally written a blog. It's World Mental Health Day. They've written a blog. It's gone out on their internal Facebook or Yammer group or whatever company's called. And they've taken that step to do it themselves. And I have not heard once that people have not had the most fantastic response to taking that first step. Now, I'm not saying that that's easy. It's not easy at all. It takes an awful lot of strength for one individual um, just to do this on their own. You know, they might they might have a job absolutely unrelated to this whatsoever. But I still believe if we could get everyday people in an organisation talking about this and making first steps themselves, Yes, yeah. That that is what I would encourage as much as possible. And as I say, you know, I really repeat, I speak to lots of organisations and lots of people and the people that have tried this themselves to make an impact, they really have done. That's fantastic advice, actually. I would not have thought to suggest that, but that's really great. When we talk about the term mental health, it conjures up negative connotations and also does still have somewhat of a stigma attached to it. 
And I know this from even the last few weeks when I've been doing the wellness days and I give the mental health and resilience talks. I almost have to reword it to just a resilience session because then people are almost fearful of coming into the room when it's uh, geared towards positive mental health, even though the Mm -hmm. aim is not to focus on one particular type of mental health issue. It's more how do we improve our mental health on a general day-to-day level and overcome certain challenges that may not be described as depression, but just could be an anxious moment. What do you think are the main barriers for these type of working environments? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. There are huge barriers in many environments, you know, responsiveness time that people have to work, the intense environment, maybe some companies billable hours. These environments don't tend to fit very well with a good mentally healthy lifestyle. And I hear that and and there's a, a lot of conversation around, you know, senior leaders earning a lot of money. They should do everything that gets thrown at them. People don't generally get given a deadline and openly say, oh, please, could you give me an extra day, you know, just to help me? These are all the sorts of barriers that are absolutely are present in these environments. And I think what has happened is it hasn't been until recently that challenges have been made to this before nobody was challenging this at all. And I think that so many companies and individuals are challenging this now and that is the important thing so I take for just a a small example that many of these barriers that I have just mentioned very indicative of a high pressure law environment yes you've got senior professionals billable hours all those sorts of things just take that industry that industry itself is coming together to create something that they called the Mindful Business Charter, where all these different law firms are recognizing these challenges. They're not saying that there's a a huge solution, but by signing up these law firms to the Mindful Business Charter, they are acknowledging, which is one step forward than they've ever taken before, that there are barriers, but that actually... Sometimes it's a little bit too tough and let's try and work more mindfully. So if you are able to get that one day extension, which will prevent you from staying up all night to enable you to get that rest that you need to be mentally healthy. And, And the fact that the Mindful Business Charter even exists is real progress. As I said, I'm not saying it's a complete it doesn't mean that this has solved every single problem of an environment like this, not at all. But we are seeing small steps, which can only be encouraging, I yes. think. No, fantastic. Definitely. I, I've never known the the legal community to actually have anything like this. I mean, when I speak to partners or even associates, it's never a case of, oh, I'm actually able to increase a deadline. It's always, okay, no, I'm working through three, four days straight, no sleep, Absolutely. It's never been anything different. So this is actually, it's news to me, actually. This is fantastic. It's a great initiative. And as you said, it's a start, the fact that they are making an actual change. Yes, definitely. So some of the organisations I've worked with started off with a really positive approach to incorporating a mental health strategy. However, what I ended up seeing was a tick box exercise that did not really provide meaningful support 
But instead, the companies were more concerned with mitigating their risk. Like if an issue was flagged, the immediate course of action was employee assistance and then occupational health. However, it was then followed up with very minimal management support as they were trying to, in fact, plan a more effective and legal exit strategy for the employee, whilst the promise of reintegration into the workforce was dangled. So looking at both sides, a business needs to remain sustainable, and but they can only do this when staff are present and engaged. However, if the right support is put into place, it creates an engaged employee community that will be loyal and give their best. What has been your experience with this? I mean, has it? if it has been a tick box exercise, how can we try and change this? I think you're absolutely right. And I think there are many companies that are doing this with a tick box exercise because they're feeling the pressure that they have to do something. But on the positive side, there are many, many more companies that aren't doing it for a tick box exercise. And it is becoming a fully integrated part of the workforce. And I think we need to look at the journey. This is a very new journey. This is a a learning process. There is so much to learn. And if I think about the diversity and inclusion agenda, if we think about the gender piece, the LGBT piece, the family piece, parenting piece, they all started at some point. And I think at that time, many of us would say, oh, well, you know, they're tick boxing as well. But all of these are journeys. And and I think maybe some of them start as a tick box exercise. And isn't it better the tick box than not even nothing at all. Yes, absolutely. No, oh, yeah. they're nothing at all. And I think it's very often as well. I emphasize again, it's anything that lands on the desk of someone, someone might not be very certain of that themselves. And so it takes a while to take it forward. And sometimes we don't know how to keep the momentum going. And that's why it's a tick box exercise, because it's just just done once. And, you know, we've got this in place, it's done. But actually, it's so much more than that. And I think, you know, I go back to what I said earlier, it's about employees taking responsibility as well to ensure that they keep knocking at the door and to ensure they create a working environment that they want to create as well, that they want to live and work in. And I think that in itself will also enable us to move away from just kickboxing. And it's all about behavioural change. And that's what it is. And behavioural change does not happen overnight. It can take years and years. But as long as we start somewhere, that can only be a good thing. No, I agree. Actually, well said. Very well said. (laughs) So when we're talking about stress versus pressure, are there effective tools to spot when it's more than just a regular amount of stress that you've seen implemented so far? Yeah, that now that is that's hard. That is, I think that's a really, really hard question for a couple of ways. In theory, the line manager training, the mental health champion training that is going on with so many people is designed to look out for this. That's exactly what it's for, to see when, to notice colleagues, you know, those slight differences. You know, they normally come to work and they're like this, but today, you know, has that stress turned into more pressure? Is it something from outside work? Now, that is in theory what that training is designed to do to enable people to look for. So I'd like to think that training that has been recommended and taken up by employers 
is really helping that scenario. On the other hand, I think we are at a stage where employers are being bombarded with different types of training, apps, wearables, websites, all sorts of things. And it's very difficult at this stage. We're kind of at the gold rush stage for companies to actually navigate this space and know what they really do need for their company. So yes, there are effective tools out there, but there isn't one size fits all either. So again, I feel like I'm saying a bit of this and a bit of that for every single question, but I think that's where we are in this space, that there's no single answer, that it's moving and it's movable and, and we're still at the beginning. But what I would say is that those tools that are the most effective will carry through and they will be the one, you know, everything else will drop by the wayside because yes. they're not effective because people aren't using them. But the forerunners uh, or, or the, 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 you know, the, the winners will, will prevail. And I think soon we'll be able to have a much better idea of what's really working. Yeah, I guess we are in a very new area. That's There's no precedent that's ever been set before. So I think it does make it a very great exploratory area at the moment. And I think that will be the case for the next couple of years, or at least few years. I think so. And unfortunately, you know, you get it becomes a bit of a a gold rush. Yes. Yeah. And in the in the nicest possible way, people are cramming the market and and some things aren't as effective as others. Um, And I think companies really need to bear that in mind. It's not even about the effectiveness. It's about the quality control. It's, you know, where are the things and the tools coming from? Have they really been psychologically and, uh, you know, systematically tested and all those sorts of things? So I would urge people thinking about looking into these potential tools to really think carefully and do their research. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for coming onto the show today. I really appreciate your time and your insights and knowledge. Absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the This Can Happen conference, which is on the 25th of November this year. And listeners, please look out at tchevents.com for more details on the conference. And also, you can find out more about Employees Matter. But thank you so much again, Zoe. Thank you very much for having me.